it's always nice to talk to you guys i know we were i know we didn't speak last week um i was quite busy with the with the newborn and not saying that it's not busy right now but hey we got to talk we got to make some time to talk some basketball because even if the raptors aren't uh in the playoffs right now there's still things to talk about when it comes to basketball and the nba and the playoffs and a whole lot of vacancies so before we go through that welcome to that's red podcast a podcast by raptor fans for raptors fans and to bring up the raptors uh you know to bring up nick nurse is a little strange because he's no longer the the raptors head coach and and there's the the head coaching seat for the raptors is still vacant you're still searching and there's a whole bunch of people uh in mind uh and even betting odds i think jay you have the betting odds for who's coming to be a coach but but even even before that we just heard uh, a few days ago that mike budenhoser has been let go uh as a head coach for the milwaukee bucks which is kind of crazy which is it's it's little straight like i it, thinking about it, like I, you see it on the graph right now, the last four NBA championship coaches outside of Steve Kerr, Mike Budenhoser, Nick Nurse, and Frank Vovo all have been fired. This, what is, I don't know what that says. It's like, is it, if you don't win now, uh, then you're gone. You know what I mean? Like these guys just came off a, a NBA championship. Like four years is not a long time. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, like uh, just early thoughts, Jay, I'll start with you, man. Uh, what, what did, did you see, uh, Mike Budenhoser, um, uh, be fired? Like, did you see that coming? I did. I did actually. Um, yeah, it just was, it just happened so fast. Like I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that he had just won the championship two years ago. And and we talk mm. about how, okay, Nick Nurse, well, like we sh- he should have been given more time and. And he helped the Raptors win a championship. But to your point, Budenholzer's championship was even sooner, right? More recent. Yeah. So it, in that way, it should have been a surprise. But I think that we, maybe I'm, I'm guilty of this, but like it, it really is the what have you done for me lately culture. And it really is. It, it was obvious that like this team was, I think it's a matter of uh, a team meeting its expectations versus you know what actually is the case right and for the bucks it was best team in, in the nba should have won a championship and and they fell short again right like again we're, we're not trying to downplay the fact that he did actually they did actually win one championship but that is starting to look like and i think that that's what they ultimately decided it was the aberration to his time there as as head coach because yeah. it was a lot of it was Regular season success, playoff failure, year after year, right? So, um, in that way, I wasn't I wasn't too shocked. But uh, you know, just looking at that 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 stat you got, you know, I mean, three of the last four champions all gone, like the coaches. That's just that's insane to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dre, what about you, man? Did you? I don't know if you saw Bud uh, the Budenhoser uh, news comment, but like. I feel like this statistic is pretty crazy. Don't you think all all three of them gone after four years? I think it's, uh, quite frankly, it's disgusting. And when yeah. we were hypothesizing about Nick Nurse, I've called this, and I'm not surprised about this statistic. I think it's um, actually painfully obvious at this point, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, we stars are getting paid too much, and 
organizations cannot afford to let them walk. And as a result, mm. they always have to pin the blame on somebody else. So consider this. Consider, okay, Nick Nurse, we didn't reach the playoffs. That kind of sucks. He still shouldn't have gone. Vodenhoser led his team to number one in the league, best record in the league. Okay, let's be honest. Like, is he the greatest coach of all time? No. But I certainly wouldn't call him a bad one. And, uh, you know, he helped his team get to, again, first in the league. Additionally, how many playoff runs have they had? Sure, this one was ended prematurely. But is that because of Boldenhoser? Maybe a little bit because of like a few errors here and there, like not calling a timeout when they had the opportunity to, when Jimmy Buckets was going nuts not having an answer for Jimmy Buckets. That's literally like one guy, and you see so many people clowning, like, oh, uh, the whole Bucks organization is being dismantled by Jimmy Buckets. I'd like to think that's true, but it's not. Um, you know, you can't... Like, I think it's just stupid, because basically what it sounds like to me is, well, we can't let um, Giannis get upset and choose to walk, so we should appeal to him. And Giannis is one of my all-time favorite players, but that's a terrible mindset to have in general. And so many organizations have this sort of mindset. Um, additionally, consider this. If we applied this statistic to, let's say, roughly 10 years ago, did Spolstra lose his job when Miami didn't go back to back to back? Or when they were no longer having the finals runs when um, when LeBron left? No. Was, uh, I don't know, another example. Uh, you could toss Tyron Lue in, into that statistic. It doesn't fall in the last four years or so, but... He was also canned. And look at him now. I would argue he's a very competent coach. Was uh, was Popovich canned when, uh, you know, the Spurs didn't win back-to-back? No. Like, his five wins happened over the course of, like, two decades. You know, from the 90s to the 2010s. So, you know, when you look at that, when you look at somebody like Jerry Sloan or, like, the Utah Jazz, which never won a championship when they easily should have, Hmm, you know, was point. he can for some reason? It's like, no, like it's a stupid mentality. Only one team out of 30 will win every year. Yeah. And if you're top of the league and you're doing really well, I think it's insane that these coaches are, are you know, to play, like something like Frank Vogel is a little tricky because in that instance, it was like, okay, this really is underperforming. And it was like, I believe if memory serves correctly, it was like mid season or at the end of the season. Like it was, it was pretty ugly, but like when, when your team is like, okay, we're um, not going to make a deep run in the playoffs, even though we just won a championship and we have a really good record and we we're doing the best with what we have. Hmm. Do we want to lose the players that we're, you know, we're overpaying or do we not want to risk that and basically just can the coaches who did the best with what they have? I think it's stupid. And outside of, uh, you know, the possibility that we might get Becky Hammond, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more later. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Nick Nurse situation is stupid. I think the the Bodenhoser situation is disgusting. I might have made a joke about it when Nurse's name was on the line because I didn't know that uh, Bodenhoser's brother was going to die. You know, like he still coached while his brother died, and after my mom's passing, I still two months later almost still feel barely responsive to anything in my environment. And you expect this guy to coach? a team with injuries. Giannis is injured. Um, you know, Middleton was injured how much of the season? 
you expect them to to fire on all cylinders and win a championship with a, a Heat team that's like I don't know a, a little better prepared this playoffs. Like I I don't know what to tell you. Like I think it's disgusting. I think it's um, a reminder that it's a business first and foremost, and uh, that your well being does not matter. I think it's mm. disgusting what they did to him, and I feel like one additional season would have sufficed. If should he have gone, I think it's insane. I, it kind of reminds me of when uh, remember when was, Isaiah Thomas was in Boston and he was playing uh, playoff basketball, and I think his sister passed during yeah. that time. And then they didn't reassign him after that. And then now he just doesn't play in the NBA at all. It's like, well, they, they, they treated like, yeah, you're right. I, it, it really, these kind of situations really uh, hammers home the fact that this is a business. And at, at the end of the day, it's like the, the only things that talk is um, money and how many rings that you have and i guess a deep playoff run because what what Giannis said in his post game press conference was i thought it was it was brilliant like when he was like yeah. when someone asked him uh is it's this just a failure a failure right yeah. and you know it, I, I guess that's a, a very 50 50 of like is that a is a fair question is that a bad question i, I thought it was a I'm still 50-50 on it. Honestly, I still I'm, I'm leaning towards a bad question, but his response was better than than anyone expected, right? Like is the when he was explaining like how Michael Jordan playing for 15 years and he only won six of the nine years is that a failure? And no, right? Like um, there's it's true. Only one team in the NBA is going to win a championship. 29 other teams is going to fail in or going to lose, and I don't think that's a failure, right? So to to point it at uh, the, always pointing it at the the coach is unfair, but at the same time, I think this is what uh y- you signed up for. You know, like I think Jay, I think you put it uh well when you were like on on CTV when you said like Bobby and Masai aren't going to fire themselves. The the GMs um the higher ups in Milwaukee aren't going to fire themselves and they're not going to trade Giannis. Right. So who are they going to blame it on? They're going to blame it on Budenholzer. And yeah, it, it, it does suck. Um, at the same time, it's like it, it, as, as much as it sucks, it's kind of what you signed up for. There are only 30 positions like, like let, let alone there's 500 positions and plus in the NBA as a player, there's only 30 positions as a head coach. And like that, that seat is hard to come by. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it sucks. But now that there are these openings uh, for Milwaukee, for Toronto, for Detroit, that does have an opportunity for other coaches such as, no wait, wait, wait. you're gonna transition. Oh, you're gonna transition. I'm gonna cut you I off. Am, here. I am before you transition. Just just a thought here uh, on okay. what both of you said. Um, does this mean are, are we kind of saying here that the the job of the head coach in the NBA is it fair to say it's a one year gig, just regardless of how long you sign a contract for, yeah. is it always a one year gig? Because let let's take away some exceptions here, right? Like. Uh, Spolstra and Popovich and, and Kerr, like, let's just say that those are the three exceptions to the rule. But for the other 27 in the league, you're essentially running a 
it's a one-year contract every year. And you're, you're judged on that one year because who cares if you won a championship two years ago? What have you done this year? And if mm-hmm. you, um, and sorry to single out uh, Mike Woodenholzer, but he's the most recent example. If you, um, actually, no, it, it is actually a bad example considering what was going on outside. Um, but let, let's use the example of Nick Nurse, right? It is, okay, you won us a championship a couple years ago, but game after game this year, it was roster mismanagement it was overplaying so like it's not like you have that cushion of something that happened outside of this one season so i guess my going back to my original question doesn't that essentially mean that these coaches are always being judged year after year like this is your performance review right and it's like mm-hmm. if you yep. didn't hit all the check boxes sorry man you're out consider um, it like if you're really a tenant like instead of it being like a year-long whatever you're yeah, yeah. you switch to month to month that's basically what it is but they pretend that it isn't yeah yeah like okay. my favorite okay. thing about all of this is like there was this other stat which is a lot more um positive you know has sort of thing where it's like hey did you guys realize that nick nurse uh frank vogel and so many other names are like uh, they won championships in the first year as coaching. And guess what? How many of them have been canned? It's not so much that, um, and you know, isn't that part of it as well? Where it's like, uh, if these teams did well with these coaches first year, we have to ask the question: How much of it was really the coach? So why do we wonder that when things are good? Like, how much of it was Tyron Lou? How much of it was Frank Vogel? But when right. stuff is bad, suddenly it is their fault. Instead of you know if we're giving credit to Masai for the first year that they won a championship because Nurse is a new coach and how much of it is him, why aren't we also shifting some of the blame as well when stuff is bad? I would say Nick Nurse really proved himself the year after Kawhi left. And that was the testament to what he achieved. You know, but when it's this, we've said it. The reason why they lost this season and this season was a failure if we had to call it one is because of the terrible orchestration of the team not necessarily uh, how it's being operated do you think somebody like um and yes it's true so many things are never black and white so you know i've talked about popovich being the greatest coach of all time some people might feel like it's somebody else um like phil jackson for instance but would phil jackson be as winning as as he has of a record if it's not for Michael Jordan or for Kobe or for Shaq and so many other people that he had on his team. What about for Popovich? Would he be as successful without Duncan Parker or greatest six man of all time, Ginobili would Kerr be who he is without the team that was uh, kind of schemed before him um, and with Steph Curry and everything. So that's why I feel like this whole shifting of blame to one person is just ridiculous because Mm -hmm. if everything is a team effort, or everything is at least partially responsible, you know, the uh, owners and GMs are partially responsible for it. Why are we so quick to, to crap out the coaches? Because it's the fashionable thing to do. It's fashionable and more people online and on social media, that's the problem. Another issue, you know, we, we were talking about mental health in this day and age um, as an athlete. You know, it sucks being a coach as well in this day and age because people want instant results. Uh, You know, TikTok gets me things in 30 seconds and each video is 10 seconds long. This coach has to be fired. And a lot of these people don't even understand. Like, again, was Nick Nurch a a perfect coach? No, but I would argue he was like top 10 in the league. And if you gave him a proper team and we didn't have these injuries, then we could actually see what he has to offer. Again, was he perfect? No. Did he make mistakes? Absolutely. But every coach does. 
Popovich has made mistakes. Jackson has made mistakes. Every coach has. And that's kind of my mm-hmm. final say on the subject. I think it's, again, the whole thing is ridiculous for a whole multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, 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 hundred percent, I hundred percent agree with you. I, I, as much as I, you know, half am excited about a new regime. I guess when it comes to the for the Raptors, I do wish that there was more longevity, right? Players wise, um, coaches wise, uh, front office wise. I like that's what's missing, right? I, I feel like that's what's hard of being a fan because it's. It's like there's ever changing, you know, and for someone like Nick Nurse to to be fired, Budenholzer to be fired, you know, in, in some cases, Frank Vogel to be fired because he was in I think Orlando for a long time. Like it's it, it sucks to see there is no there's no really longevity anymore anymore. Right. And I think that started with the players wanting to leave wherever they their friends were. Right. And it's it's all all or nothing. Uh, if you don't win now, then let's see. Let's see what's up next. And, but that's the reality right? at this moment. That's the reality. If it changes. Great. But at this moment, it does also, if you're putting glass half full, it gives an opportunity for others to step up. And so that's why let's transition to who may possibly take on the, the reins of the head coaching job for, let's say, start with the Toronto Raptors. Because there's a whole bunch of uh, thoughts about Nick Nurse going to Milwaukee or going to Detroit. Like It just depends on where Nick Nurse is going, which I am very intrigued, but mostly intrigued of who may be the next head coach of the Toronto Raptors. At this moment, Jay, you said that the betting odds, the betting odds, which is very interesting, that Becky Hammond might be the next coach of the Toronto Raptors. Next up would be Adrian Griffin. Next is uh, Kenny Atkinson. And then and you've got some Jerry Stackhouse. you got a whole bunch of names uh, up there. Um, okay, so let's first First say let's go with Becky Hammond. Number one, I would absolutely love, and I'm pretty sure I attest for all three of us. I would love to have Becky Hammond as the head coach for uh the Toronto Raptors. Not only as her being a trailblazer, of course, to be the first NBA coach, uh first female NBA to lead a NBA team as a head coach, but her her resume speaks for itself. Right, she she is a disciple of of uh, the Popovich uh, like coaching tree. Um, she has won uh, a championship first year, very Nick Nurse like uh, in the WNBA with the Aces. My only thing is, I don't like she has it good. <laughs> she has it great. Like, uh, sure, sure, the NBA probably pays a little bit better than the WNBA, but she a has a lot great. better. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I was gonna say, something a lot better. Yeah, okay, a lot. I would yeah, like 100% it, it to a lot be a better, little, but, or for it to be equal, quite frankly, but a lot better. Yeah, I would yeah, love it to be to be equal. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't want this to just be like, oh, because she she has been in consideration for other head coaching positions, um, but it was I feel like it was more like, okay, let's put put Becky Ammon in that just so you can get some clout, really. But at this point i really do hope that the raptors like um what let's put it this way i hope that she gives the raptors a chance because like she deserves a she deserves a spot as an nba head coach so what do you guys think i mean like the possibility of her uh being a head coach the possibility of her being somewhere else it could be milwaukee it could be detroit we don't know but like the betting odds say the raptors might uh, hire her as the head coach. Jay, what do you think, man? I think I'm going to, you know, I, I talked about this when I was on, on Chris Walder's uh, podcast the other day. Yes, sir. Uh, and I want to actually correct one thing that I said there. 
Um, one thing I did say, and I think Jason, you you kind of just said it here, was like, will she even give the Raptors a chance, right? Because she has a good situation there, first year championship. Why would she leave the Aces? But I started thinking about what I said, and I'm trying to think. Wait a second. If the Aces are giving permission to speak to Becky Hammond, that means that she said yes, right? Like she could just say easily say. You want to talk to me? No, I'm, I got it good here. I don't want to talk to you. Like, I've got it good here. She would have turned that down already. The fact that she mm. didn't, the fact that the Aces are saying, you can go ahead and talk to her, means that she has given the thumbs up. So that yeah. gives me a bit more hope. Maybe that's why she's kind of risen up the 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 odds makers, uh, uh, odds here on her becoming the next head coach. So, I mean, I, I'm sure, um, Dre, you've got a lot to say here about, about the possibility of Becky Hammond. I just want to raise that one point there. It's like, I think that we've cleared the first hurdle, and that is her saying, I'm interested, um, if she's allowed for this permission to happen. Because, again, she could have just shut this down immediately and said, no, I'm good. So uh, I'll leave the, the 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 case for Hammond being the head coach with you, Dre. Uh, over to you. I mean, that's tough because a lot of people um, were misreading, by the way, um, when she mentioned that, uh, she's in a different headspace right now. She wants to talk about the women before she talks about the boys, is the way that she phrased it. Um, a lot of people were taking it the wrong way, like, oh my god, she doesn't value us as boys. I, I view it as, you know, she's one of uh, Popovich's, you know, greatest protégés, I would say. Um, you know, she sees them as, like, pals, as, like, you know, buddies, as brothers. I don't, I don't think it should be too much too deeply written into or too deeply read into but having said that what i do take away from that because it's important is that she is busy right now with um the aces season you know they're coming back from a championship i know she's well yeah. past her prime but candace parker is now an ace and uh you know that speaks volumes but then also new york the liberty are going to be stacked with brianna stewart this year um elena del Donna's back uh, you know, after enough of an absence, uh, given her uh, various personal uh, illnesses and whatnot, um, there is a lot to focus on in the WNBA, which is uh, starting. So, of course, she's going to focus on that right now. Yeah, preseason then, starts hmm. today. Exactly. So it's like, okay, so she's going to be focusing on that. The question is, can't she have both? And the problem is, I don't think so, because the problem is... Um, Look at what's happening right now. The playoffs, the NBA playoffs are still underway, and we're talking about the WNBA preseason starting. And when the WNBA concludes, it's the preseason for the NBA. Like, that's around the corner. So uh, it's not like they fit. I was just in... about to ask that. I was like, yeah. the, the, so they Becky, don't nestle like, perfectly. Becky is starting her. Right. <laughs> So let, let's say, okay, a knock on wood, let's say that the Raptors hire Becky Hammond. She is still going to coach the Aces for this entirety of the WNBA season, right? Really? Before the, is that how that works? Is no. That, she would leave. No? no? I, I I, honestly, this, the thought of her doing both jobs never crossed my mind. It was one or the other. Huh. She, she would have to finish. The season's kind of... She would at least have to finish this season, what? I would say. I guess, I guess that does work out. No, she has to be... Barely. If but she's then hired, she, can't she has to be there with the Raptors. Like, yeah, she can't do both full-time ever. 
Okay, sure. so I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the key dates for the WNBA season. Start preseason, right? Or the yeah, the preseason already starts today, May 5th. Let's say the WNBA concludes the last possible final date on the WNBA website is October 20th. So that you can't, kind of, you can't, you can't do that. You cannot do I that. Know. That's fair. That's fair. Because like that's what they allow it. I know. I know. But, well, they allow it. I feel like they would. It, it would just be funny. It would just be funny. Raptors because, need like, a head coach in the facility. Come on, Because guys. they would, like, Masai basically <laughs> said that they're going to have a coach before the NBA draft, which is sometime like June or something, right? Like, or or somewhere in July. Regardless, Beckham is going to be right in the thick of things in the WNBA. So it, it doesn't make sense, right? So yeah, that's where so... I'm thinking, like, if the, if she does, if she does take the job, yeah, you're right. They, she has to leave right but she would have to leave that's places. that's the thing if she can't actually like even legally do both like one right after the other um then literally how was she supposed to she's not going to leave the wnba you know as great of an opportunity as this is uh she's not going to give it up like maybe next season like next next season i would say but she's not going to throw it all away because this opportunity arose why now did she gave permission then that's that's what that's what's getting me is like yeah. if she's gonna say no she should have just said no right away and like not just tell the aces no I don't give you permission to talk to me like she's given the permission so that has to mean something right I don't know it's so tough yeah. like um, <laughs> I would love if she were to mind. coach us but I just don't see it happening unfortunately if but now you guys have it in my head like now she's gonna like be the coach of both teams and that'd be amazing <laughs> if she can pull off the double <laughs> yeah, I know it's not gonna yeah. happen it's just if anybody like, can, it's uh, Becky okay, Hammond. I feel that too. I feel like, could you just imagine? Just like, yeah, we're uh, Becky Hammond. We're gonna give you the Raptors uh, coaching job, uh, but we're gonna wait for you. <laughs> really, what should have happened was if yeah, yeah, Nurse exactly. was going to be fired, it should have been last year. So then we could have had her because that vacancy would have been there. But now that she's been accepted with open arms by the WNBA and won in her first year. And they're actually taking it seriously. I don't think they would ever fire her because she's one yeah. of the most qualifiable coaches out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that why would she want to leave that? If this was a year ago before the ACES stuff happened, fine. Different story. Maybe what's his face? Lambeer. That was Lambeer, right? Would win a championship with the ACES. And, uh, you know, everything's great. He was the original coach, right? Or is that, am I yeah. mixing about? Well, not. Uh, I forgot which team, but yes, he was. I forgot which team, though. I need to look this up. <laughs> you, you know what? You do. You raise a really good point there, Dre. Um, and it did remind me of another point I want to make about Becky Hammond. Uh, and you guys can can correct me if I'm wrong here, but to my recollection, before she was hired on with the Aces, she was considered a head coaching candidate for several teams. So she did interview mm-hmm. and was considered for several vacancies. I don't remember which ones. But it got to the point where right before she got hired by the Aces, the feeling around the league was, is she just a token interview, right? Are you right, interviewing right. her for the sake of of likes and mentions? And it's like, hey, we're interviewing her. Yay, we might consider it. And then you end up hiring another retread head coach that you've... <laughs> Chauncey Phillips. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Let's, let's go hire someone <laughs> who has like, a bad criminal history and whatever. But like... <laughs> That's what I was like. So the point I'm getting at is by saying that you're going to hi- uh, you're going to interview Becky Hammond, isn't the Raptors kind of putting themselves in a difficult position of like 
you almost have to hire her because like then you just end up being another one of those teams that listed her name, got everyone got right up, riled up, and then it was like, no, you know, we're gonna hire someone else. So then, I guess what I'm getting at with this is, if the Raptors do not hire Becky Hammond, whether it is her saying no or whether it is the Raptors saying you're not the right fit, God help them. They do not hire retread head coach. So, like, for me, that eliminates Woodhaven, eliminates Ken Atkinson. Like, you cannot hire someone who used to be a former head coach if you're going to hire someone to do the whole culture reset thing. That's that's kind of right. where my head is right now. Yeah, I, think I couldn't agree more. Also, the candidates you're hearing about right now have never been head coached before. They've all been assistants. Right. Right, which I, which I feel like that's where it's going to head to. Like, I don't I, – as much as I love Adrian Griffin – um, I, I don't think he's the right fit. He's He's been with the team for a while. He's been under uh, Nick Nurse for a while. I do believe that he's going to be a head coach somewhere else, uh, most likely Detroit, but I don't think it's going to be – I should. I don't think it's going to be Adrian Griffin. Um, I, I've heard uh, – yeah, like Kenny Axon, I heard Jerry Stackhouse, and I and I know that like does that mean it's a culture reset if Jerry Stackhouse has been with the Raptors before with the G League and everything like that, but he has an interesting mindset. I've heard uh, great things about uh, Jordy Fernandez, who is the Sacramento Kings uh, – um assistant coach right now um yeah i i as if it's becky hammond or somebody else i feel like it has to be somebody that one a hasn't been a head coach before in the nba two uh is not part of hasn't been part of the organization maybe part of like no who knows the players very well sure but just doesn't just this has to have a different philosophy when it comes to the toronto raptors that's where i i hope it is because if you're talking about if messiah's talking about this whole culture reset if you see if you hear like the raptors like like fred thinking about like they have to find a different culture no matter what that is it is not part of the organization that is right now right so you have to have a fresh ears fresh eyes fresh voice whatever it is has to be somebody outside of the organization that's what i hope uh coming into this okay so we'll see um i don't know what like the betty might be changing every day who knows but you know let's see if becky hammond actually is part of the organization that'd be so cool that'd be so hmm. cool all right um let's move on man uh the award seasons have been uh have been pretty i i don't know uh not telling uh they they've been they've been going they've been going the, the award season has been going and finally they've they've uh showed the uh, mvp of the uh nba and finally someone who broke through joel Embiid. uh guys love him or hate him <laughs> you gotta admit he is a force of the nba and you know the last three years it's been like pretty much a joel or jokic Yo, joel or jokic and the last two years has been nikola uh, jokic this year First, you see the uh, you see the banner. First place votes for Embiid, seventy three. Jokic with fifteen, and Giannis with twelve. Joel Embiid, your NBA MVP this year, guys. How do you feel, Dre? I'll start with you, man. Okay, I was gonna say maybe start with Jake because he looks uh, flummoxed, but uh, sure, I'll, uh, I'll I'll start with this. I know, that's uh, why that's I why I'm like, waiting. I want okay, him I to like brew. I want this longer. to brew. Okay, uh, so what I'll say on my end. Um, you know what I said about Nick Nurse and Becky Hammond, how this should have been last year if this was going to happen? I'm going to say the exact same thing. Uh, Joel Embiid, first off, congratulations. Secondly, he should have been the MVP last year That's and what I agree. Jokic yeah, this I year. Because Jokic, I think, mm-hmm. averaged a triple-double, if I'm not mistaken. Top team in the West, freaking plowing over people in the uh, in, in the postseason. 
just demolishing like the, the Nuggets. I feel in the West have the highest odds of winning the championship, but that I, I'm not an expert. I don't know. I'd like to pretend that I am, but I've said a lot of dumb shit on here before. Having said that, um, when Jokic isn't playing, they're still a really good team. You've got Murray, you've got um, Aaron Gordon, but it's not the same at all. When Embiid isn't playing, the the 76ers are still doing really well. Like you saw how well Harden played in the first game of, of the second round when he was, like, leading the team. Um, you, Embiid is fantastic. He's brilliant. He's a more defensive player, in my opinion, than Jokic. But having said that, who's the most valuable? I would have gone with Embiid last year and Jokic this year, but that's just me. I, I agree. Honestly, whatever you said, I agree with that. I think that Embiid did, definitely deserved it last year. Does he deserve I'm, I'm. It's not unanimous, but it was pretty damn close. And Jay, I know that you have a lot of feelings when it comes to this MVP voting. Jokic got robbed. Really? Uh, okay, explain. Explain, sir. This was his best statistical season of the three, well, should have been three MVP seasons. And the, the top it all off, the Nuggets finished with the best record in the West. That's something that yeah. hadn't happened in his previous two MVP seasons. So what changed? Embiid like, wasn't even the best in the East, which yeah, is an I mean, easier John, conference. That's so the thing. John, Giannis was the one who was uh, – uh, Milwaukee was the best in the East. So, like, how come Giannis didn't get as more or as many votes? That's yeah, yeah. Thing. And usually, I mean, I guess I think the, the, the cookie-cutter way of, of selecting an MVP, at least to start the conversation, is – who is the best player on the best team, right? And, and this year, that would be Giannis, right? Best player on the best team. Mm. Um, but there just wasn't enough buzz around him, and I don't know why. And maybe Giannis is also a victim of, okay, you've won it twice before, and, and maybe we won't think, consider your name because his numbers were, like, through the roof amazing. And to, to Dre's point, where's Milwaukee if Giannis is not around, right? So yeah. I, I look at that as, as an argument against Embiid, but really, for, for Jokic, it's like if you came into the season and said, okay, you, two-time MVP, what can you possibly do to win a third MVP? He did all of it. He was 0.2 away from averaging a triple-double, 0.2 assists, um, led the team to the best record in a very, very stacked West. Like, I don't know what else he could have possibly done. So for me, he was robbed. Um, I thought that he was uh, the hands-down all of all of NBA Twitter was like, I can't believe this guy's gonna win it for a third year in a row. Up until yeah. I think it was, I want to say it was around March, where like yeah. all this MB talk started to like heat up, and then it just snowballed from there. And then it was like everyone's talking about MB, and I was like, I feel like you're just starting this because you're getting bored of like giving it to Jokic, and I, I you know, what I mean, like it's because of Kendrick yeah. Perkins. Let's not forget Kendrick Perkins with his bullshit pseudo racist <laughs> take. Claiming that it's racist reasons that Jokic oh gosh, is yeah. going to receive it. Yeah, that's and yeah. That the problem is we we live in a, a and I firmly believe that there's lots of bouts of racism in the world still. I don't think that we're in a in a utopia just yet, like some people would like you to believe. But in this instance, he's so full of shit when it comes to Jokic and his stupid takes that he does just for sensationalist purposes. He really is. And I feel like if that was the catalyst, like fucking shame on him for bringing race into something when it comes down to a second rounder who's uh, who was drafted during a freaking commercial for Taco Bell 
who might wind up being one of the greatest big men of all time because of pure talent, dedication, and work whilst having humility, albeit some juvenile moments, but hey, he's still young. Uh, You know, it's ridiculous. And, And Perkins just spews the stupidest shit sometimes. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, but I mean that's what gets clicks, right? I mean that's what that's what gets yeah. uh, people listening. That's what like which which sucks, which is really really dumb. I agree with with everything you guys say. I do believe that Jokic deservingly so got, should have gotten this one. I think probably Embiid should have gotten the, uh, the last one, but like it does. I'm not taking away the fact that Joel Embiid is a very 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 good player, you know, and yes. and. Outside of the fact that you know, right now they're um, one and one, and when Joel Embiid came back, he they they lost by like thirty five. But like outside of that whole whole thing, like Jokic is, I think, I think what Dre or Jay, what you're trying to say is that like there is a whole recency bias of like, yeah, you're you're probably getting bored of like saying Jokic, Jokic, Jokic all the time, right? And it's but like, did they complain like, about voter fatigue back in the 90s? Like, it's such a stupid yeah. thing to complain about nowadays. Like, it is. Like, what is wrong with us that, you know, we're complaining about, oh, voter fatigue. Voter... Look, would I be bored if LeBron James was always the MVP every single year for five straight years? Maybe. But at the same time, did he deserve it? He probably, probably did, did for a good yeah. chunk of yeah, his probably prime, did, yeah. right? Like, Which is funny so when you bring that up. Because... Because LeBron, for his first time in his career, didn't have any votes for MVP. Anything. Which is silly because he's had worse years than this. He's had worse years than this. Mm -hmm. Like, really, I I would argue, even though he really gets on my nerves, and I think listeners know that by now, there's not a single year where he didn't deserve at least one vote. Seriously. At least, yeah. you're right. Yeah, you're right. And, and if you're thinking about like where the Lakers ended up in the standings, if, if it's the standings, right, if that's a whole point, I mean, all, all power to it. And I'm so happy for him. Shea Gilgis Alexander did get MVP votes, like I'll be at fourth place, uh, but he did get like he was fifth in MVP uh, total points when it comes to MVP standings. And like where did I'm pretty sure they ended up uh, lower seed than than the Lakers. So like yeah, they it did. is. It is strange. It's like the voting system is really strange. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's like a, there's a whole lot of bias uh, to this. And I feel like Speaking... sh- uh, voting, I think it should be the coaches that shouldn't be voting, being allowed to vote for their own players. I feel like that's how you should vote. You know what I mean? Speaking like sh- of uh, like biases and all that, isn't it a little ironic? You know, he didn't get a single MVP vote, right? Not a single one. No. Um, the year he breaks the scoring record. <laughs> yeah true right? think about yeah. it that's a little <laughs> fucked up isn't it it is quite true. that is the ultimate fatigue oh he's broken the record now let's stop pretending that he's actually good when really this is when we should be celebrating him the most it's true it's true there's a link here actually between the, the the topics we've already discussed in this episode right and and we talked about the coaches and how a lot of it is based on what happened this year like not looking at championship seasons of past, you're looking at this year only, right? And if you're doing that, that's probably what happened here, what should be happening here on, on the basis of selecting an MVP. Look at this year only. Don't tell me yep. that Michael Jordan never won three straight MVPs, therefore Jokic can't win three straight MVPs or or that Embiid mm. should have won it last year, so he'll win it this year. No, we're basing this off of this year only. And this year mm. only... The Denver Nuggets finished the first in the NBA in the in the West, 
again, in a, in a lot harder conference in the East, and Jokic was leading the way. That is an MVP. That's the definition of an MVP to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And there's like one other uniting theme, if you're bringing up themes, between um, the coaches getting fired and, oh, we can't have three back-to-backs uh, for MVP. Thin skin and the NBA caring too fucking much about what's being talked about online. Seriously, mm. why isn't this coach getting fired? Like, finger pointing, la da Just focus on the now and how you can progress and how you can work together. Seriously, in the day and age of social media, what's happened in the last 10 years that has changed? It's that. Seriously. And there's been so much toxic, nonsense, bullshit culture surrounding sports. Whether it's uh, sexism and why Becky Hammond shouldn't be a coach, for instance, or like... Um, something like that's where Jokic can't be a three-time repeat repeating MVP. If he is, he is. He worked for it. Like it's so much nonsense because the NBA is catering to so many voices online. When a lot of them, I hate to say it, and I'm sure you feel the same way about me, a lot of them don't fucking matter. I'm sorry, but they don't. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. everybody's opinion matters, but when they're affecting important things like this, like livelihoods of people's jobs or, um, you know, well-earned accolades. Get out of here. Get out of mm-hmm. here. Seriously. That's that's why I'm saying. I think that the, the voting should probably change. I, at, at some point, I feel like it should be the coaches, the assistant coaches that can't vote for their own player because they're the ones who are in it. They're the ones who who know, and they are the ones who have to scout. So, not saying that Jokic would have would have won it if that was the the whole uh, voting changes, but I feel like it wouldn't be this. Uh, I guess the the this difference, the voting would have would have been this. Different. Yeah, it was very but, lopsided. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, well, there you have it. MVP Joel Embiid. I'd say, like you know, I don't know if he deserves it the most. At this lopsided, but congratulations. He deserved None, it at some point. At so some at least point. he got it this now, time. let's say. Nonetheless, he is the MVP of this 2023 NBA. Uh all right. Last thing, guys. And and I know <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if we, we should bring this up because if there's any Uh-oh. Leaf fans that are watching right now or listening right now, but <laughs> Leafs, what's going on, man? How you gonna go? How you gonna go Owen to in at home? At home. You know, like they forgot there's a second round of the playoffs. Right. <laughs> so I, I was there. I mean, I, I'm watching and I'm pretty sure this is uh, the most hockey I've watched in a very long time. And I and I love the fact that the Leafs got past the first round. But I feel like they're you got to you got to simmer down a little bit. Got to simmer down just a bit when it comes to winning uh, one round, because right now you're down 0-2 uh, against the Florida Panthers. Do I feel like you're going to come back? Maybe. You know, that's very Kawhi Leonard-like, you know, effort. Let's go get both. Uh, but do you guys have any predictions or how you guys feel about the, the, the Leafs coming back from this 0-2 deficit going into Florida? We we have, um, I will say this, the, the Leafs have actually been playing quite well. Um, they just haven't converted their chances. Um, again, this, everyone take whatever words we say as grains of salt, considering we are basketball heads, but yeah, fair. Um, it is, it is also fair to note that before the season started, the Panthers were actually Stanley cup contenders. They disappointed all season long. They did not live up to the expectations. Only now are they starting to live up to those preseason expectations. So it's not like the least coming yes, out of nowhere. Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. They're, they're just because they finished eighth in the conference and they had a, a poor record 
beating Boston is legit. Like that's the best regular season team of all time. Mm. And yeah. you don't just luck into that, but also they are starting to show, and they were starting to show this in the middle of the Boston series, the Stanley cup contender, like side of them that has been missing all season. So this is not to say that I wouldn't say that this is a, a colossal failure on the, the Leafs part. That they lost the first two games. In fact, that they've generated more chances than the Panthers that they should actually be up to. Um, but that's what it is in the playoffs, right? Like in, in game two, it was like a really bad stretch of like one minute of hockey where they scored two quick goals, right? Like that's yep. that's all it takes in the NHL. And, and if you have a goalie that's hot, that's all it takes to win a game. And, you know, for the Panthers, that's that's all it really took. And, and now they've got a stranglehold on this series and we'll see how things go. But I think that um, if you were to tell Leafs fans before the season that the, the Leafs could walk away with at least a, a you know, one round victory. I think they would take that. I know that it's, it's kind of like every year is like Stanley cup yeah. or nothing, but um, I would say let, let's, let's hold off on, on writing their obituary. Uh, there's still yeah. time. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. I, I, I don't know if they can come back, like, like do a whole four games uh, sweep the next four games, but I don't know. I, I feel like, like, but do you think they are the Panthers? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, yeah, like if you're if you're Leafs fans, I know you guys are going through it. I mean, we're Raptors fans. We've gone through it. You know, like we we we've been there. And I know that this if if we don't if the Leafs don't win a championship or or Stanley Cup, like it's it might hurt a little bit. But like, don't write them off, man. I think that they have a good chance still. You know, after watching a little bit, I'm not a hockey, I'm not I'm not a hockey person, and I know that there are plenty of hockey people out there that are like saying, "Yeah, screw you guys," but I think they can still do it. I really, I really do. I, I, I really do. You know, just you know, Kawhi Leonard, it. Fuck it, let's get both. You know, that's how, that's <laughs> we how have I the capability man. for sure. Um, but what I love about hockey, and this is something that's maybe interesting in watching the sport more often. Maybe during these playoffs, I've watched a little bit of the um, uh, not to. Not to uh, annoy anybody, but uh, I, I've kind of got a thing for the uh, the Seattle Kraken now. The dopest team name and logo oh, and yeah. color scheme oh, yeah. and everything. So And they're underdogs, and it's their second season only, and they're like actually doing pretty well. But that's the thing about hockey. It's um, this unpredictability. I remember the year when the Blues, I'm pretty sure, were like the worst team in the league. And suddenly they were like the Stanley Cup winners. The you don't really get year. that too much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't really get that too much in... In basketball, um, I feel like the unpredictability factor in the NHL is to level 11. So this year, um, the the Penguins didn't even make it for the first time in God knows how long. Um, Bruins are out. All these favorites to win are out. Um, and so many underdog stories, which I know you said that uh, the Panthers were uh, slated to win uh, originally, but they were still deemed like not capable of it until now again. So, you know, they've re-sparked their franchise, let's say, you know, the Crockett have a chance, like all these teams that, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, to me, the only thing that kind of feels like that in the NBA, and I don't want to say it, are the Los Angeles Lakers who, uh, revamp their career and actually have a chance of winning the whole thing but like mm. that's every year in hockey there's always this what if factor and that's yeah, so much very more unpredictable yeah I, yeah I think that's what i like about hockey too like again I'm a, I'm a straight basketball fan but like hockey is so unpredictable and and talking about like sometimes you know bounces don't go their way literally it's pucks bouncing every which way possible right so if the pucks bounce or high sticking doesn't get called but i 
Yeah, yeah, or or like a cross check or something like that. But yeah, so I think the Leafs still have a chance. Uh, but you're right, man. The Kraken logo, well, oh, so sick, so sick. All right, before we go, before we let you go, I let you guys go. I got to get a weekly recommend, man. Uh, Jay, do you have a weekly recommend for this week? I know last week uh, you said beef. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I uh, so on Fridays, um, and usually this happens before we jump on here to record. Um, Fridays in this house is cleaning day. Uh, hey. We, you know, we, we end off the week. It's kind of weird, but like my wife likes to like do the whole cleaning of the house. That's the day she chooses. I'm like, you should do it on Saturday morning. Like you're exhausted from the week. Do it on Saturday mornings. Anyways, we do it on Fridays. And I know right now she's been complaining about having a rough week. So uh, what I'll do if I have time is I will do the cleaning for us, right? Like while I'm, because I work at home, right? So, but when I'm cleaning... I like to put on like something in the background, like a movie or mm. or whatever, just so that like if I'm cleaning, I look around like, oh, yeah, I recognize that movie or whatever it is. I made the mistake today of throwing on The Martian. Oh, and, oh, oh do I love that movie? I did not get movie. any cleaning done. And so I'm going to recommend it. I probably recommend it like. When we first you gotta find out week. if the botanist makes it. <laughs> yeah, you really do, man. And, and, and you know him, you know mixing his own shit to make potatoes, man. Such a good movie. I could not clean a damn thing. I was just like, like this is the worst movie to put on as background because I cannot focus on cleaning. So that's my recommend. Go rewatch uh, The Martians. Amazing. My favorite space-related movie. Great book ever. Too. Yeah, that's ever? your that's your favorite one ever. Ever favorite space related? Space movie. Yeah. Oh wait, no, no, wait. Uh, in in the genre of drama, in the genre of comedy, it's Spaceballs. Oh. Okay, so rewatch either one. That's that's why I recommend. <laughs> but did you know that um, The Martian won the Golden Globe for Best Picture for comedy drama? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's considered a, a comedy in some people's eyes. I don't know I just, how. I can't. I can't. It is pretty funny, though. It is I can't unseat like a comedy. It's just no, hard no. for me in my head to unseat Spaceballs. So like, I it's it's a one A one B. Those those are my favorite space movies. Ooh, yeah, fair enough. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty big one. I think my favorite space movie has to be Interstellar. Still, but anyway. Mm. Um, uh yeah the martian great movie great book recommended 100 percent. dre what about you man do you have a weekly recommend oh god i mean i didn't but now i feel like uh maybe because we're looking towards the future we should just do our favorite sci-fi movies let's do that uh Ooh, or like some of our yeah. favorite sci-fi movies because it's it's kind of got my my gears trying. i mean it was just may the 4th yesterday so like it's true there, there's a lot there's a lot going on here for that's true for what what the theme should be <laughs> uh that's that's true. I'm not going to pick Star Wars, although um, the OG Star Wars and Empire are are brilliant. Um, okay, so my absolute favorite sci-fi movie of all time is 2001 Space Odyssey, but I'm not going to shout out that because that gets talked about all the time. Instead, I'm going to talk about my second favorite, which was actually not really well known until the the 21st century. So Rainer Werner Fassbinder is a is a German filmmaker, and he's one of my all-time favorites. Very problematic human. Very problematic human. <laughs> terrible, terrible decisions in his life. But as a filmmaker, he's one of my favorites. And um, so, so many sci- science fiction films are inspired by 2001. They're inspired by this silent movie called Metropolis by Fritz Lang. So many films. But there's one which was kind of influential, but not really at the same time. And I'll explain how. 
It's the Fassbinder film called World on a Wire. It came out in the early 70s. It's a four-hour-long movie split into two, and it was shown on German television. And because back in the day they treated stuff differently, it was shown on television once and like not really ever shown again. And huh. it just never showed up again. So, so many things from The Matrix to The Truman Show, these concepts of fake reality and, you know, a projected world were inspired by this. But because you couldn't rewatch it, really, it was just like, well, I remember it by memory. And so many things are inspired by it, but they don't feel like it. They don't look like it. So when it finally got rediscovered in the late 90s and remastered, and now you can purchase it on Criterion, which I do own, um, it really feels like one of the very few original, unique science fiction films I've ever seen because nothing else really feels like it. And World on a Wire is a German science fiction masterpiece, in my opinion. That is, I will always looking, shout it out. I'm looking at it right now, and it looks crazy. 1973? Damn. Yep. This looks this looks intense, man. It's Three and a half hours greatest, movie. Yep. One of the greatest well films I've ever seen. You won't You won't regret it. Well done. I well, I mean, shoot that. If you're if you're talking about sci-fi, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, Dre, because this this looks pretty intense. Um, my weekly recommend, I have to go with, uh, I have to go with the last episode of the the Walter Sportscast with uh, Jay Jay. You 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 guessed on the Walter Sportscast, and it was it was great because I remember we were the first. I think we were the first. We were you the and first. I were, we were, were first. his first guests. Yeah, we were his first guests on on the Walder Sportscast, and it was pretty cool. And we know Walder; he's a he's a great friend of ours. So, man, check out like check out the Walder Sportscast for one, but also check out the latest uh, episode because Jay was on it. So, shit, why not? Now I feel and, like a dick. <laughs> here I am talking about some German auteur, and yeah, you're but just see, being a pal. I feel like a ripe asshole. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's what I got you in that. I, I I steered you in that direction with the whole Martian talk. Come on, it's true. It's true. If you once you got me talking about movies, it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I blame I blame that on Jay. But again, that's why that's my weak ring, man. So check that out. Um, again, it's always great to talk to you guys, man. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I know we're like halfway through the playoffs, and my pick of the Bucks who were winning it, we're going to win it all, is completely off. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still, I don't, I don't know who's going to win it, but maybe we can talk about that next week. But until then, Jay, Trey, a pleasure as always. That's a wrap.